We are glad that you are here today. If this is your first time with us, I'm Steve Hammer. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we hope that you will be blessed as a result. Before I get started, I want to mention to you that Thursday and a week from today, we are having another one of our Love the Berg uh, times where we are going to honor our first responders. And in the back of the chairs in front of you, there should be a card that looks like this or a couple of them. And we want you to take as many as you will use to invite all of the first responders you meet, all the re first responders you know. Uh, you can, uh, when they stop you to give you a speeding ticket, you can just give them one of these. Okay, maybe not. But um, we, we just really want to honor those who serve us uh, as firefighters and as police officers and law, law enforcement officials and uh, those who uh, drive our ambulances and uh, care for us in those ways. And so please take this next, next uh, Thursday and next Sunday. We are going to have some special things go on in our service and we're going to have some, a gift for them. We're going to have refreshments for them and uh, for you too, so you'll want to be here, but I hope that you will just use that opportunity to make a difference in someone's life, to invite them, to let them know you appreciate them, but also to get them here, and that may help them uh, to find some hope and some strength and some encouragement through Christ. Let's pray as we begin this service, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the fact that you have loved us with an everlasting love. Thank you, Father, that you didn't put us here on earth to try to struggle alone to do life. And Father, I pray right now as we focus again on improving our relationships, having the best relationships ever during the best year ever, Father, would you just open our heart to what you want to say to us today? Would you help us, Father, to figure out ways that we can improve our friendships, that we can be better friends. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's one of those old stories. The story's been told of three friends who were shipwrecked on a desert island, and uh, they uh, one day are walking on the beach, and they find the proverbial magic lantern. And sure enough, when they rub the sand off of it, the proverbial genie comes out and tells them that he will grant each of them one wish. The first friend doesn't think long. He uh, wishes that he was off the island and safely back home. And instantly his wish is granted. And seeing this, the second friend wishes for the same thing and his wish is immediately granted. But the third friend is the shy one. He looks around and uh, he's a little confused and so he comments, wow, I, I'm lonely. I wish my friends were here while I was trying to figure out this wish. And instantly his wish was granted. Well, friendship can be a wonderful and frustrating thing sometimes. It can be both wonderful and frustrating. Someone has said, friends are the family we choose for ourselves. Friends are the family we choose for ourselves. And that's a great concept because sometimes we kind of get stuck with our family. We kind of get stuck with our family sometimes, but friends are family that we get to choose. And friends are great, unless you make mistakes choosing your friends. 
unless you make mistakes choosing your friends. Have you ever done that? Have you done that too? I mean, instead of friends being a wonderful thing, you've had friendships that didn't end well. I mean, maybe you grew to trust them and you shared with them some of your secrets, things that you wanted to keep private, and they managed to share them with many other people. Or maybe it was far worse than that. You trusted them around your family and they harmed your kids or they harmed your marriage. Or maybe you don't really even know what happened. They just stopped returning your calls one day and you're still confused by that. Whether your mistake in choosing friends resulted in your secrets being shared or you being hurt and abandoned or betrayed by friends, you might feel like you're pretty bad at friendships, but realize that literally everyone chooses bad friends sometimes. Literally everyone, even perfect people. And by that I mean Jesus. Even Jesus chose bad friends. One day, Jesus said some hard things to people who were following him. And some of the people there got upset. You'll find this in John chapter 6. The passage says, many of his followers decided to stop following him that day. In other words, a lot of people got upset and left Jesus' church that day. And while he watched them walk away... He turned to his 12 closest friends and the passage says, he, says to, he said to his 12 closest friends, do you want to leave too? Do you want to go with them? Do you want to leave too? And it was Peter. Now Peter sometimes was a loud mouth and Peter often said the wrong thing. But on this day, it was Peter that said the right thing. Peter said, where would we go? Who would we go to? You alone have the words of eternal life. You alone have the words of eternal life. And we believe and know that you are the Holy One from God. That must have given Jesus some comfort. He, he must have felt better about that. You would think that that would make him smile, that that would make him relax. But it didn't give him complete comfort because here is what he says next look at John 6 start with verse 70 then Jesus said I chose the 12 of you but one is a devil he was speaking of Judas son of Simon Iscariot one of the 12 who would later betray him what Jesus was saying is that his choice of friends left a little bit to be desired it left a little bit to be desired. And he's going to say this again. Just hours before he's arrested, he acknowledged this truth again. Look at his sad words in Mark chapter 14. On the way, Jesus told them, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and I will meet you there. Jesus knew that all of his friends, his closest friends, would run away from him, that they would leave him alone during the worst and most difficult time of his life. But he also knew that he would rise from the dead. He also knew that 
they would need him again. And so he told them in advance where he would meet them. Now, maybe you've been giving yourself a bad time because you've chosen some pretty awful friends. Maybe, maybe you feel like your relationship picker is broken. Hopefully, it helps you to know that Jesus was hurt by friends that he chose also. In reality, I think we've all been hurt by friends, but if we're going to live the best year ever, it would be great for us to try to build the best relationships ever. And I'm not sure most people give much thought to how they decide on their friends. I'm not sure people give much thought to how they become friends. I mean, some become friends with a person who seems to be the cool one. For others, it's the person that makes them laugh. For others, they become friends with the person who has the same complaints, the same negative feelings and problems that they do. For others, it's the person who needs them the most. But maybe the fact that we don't put much thought into choosing our friends is why we end up with thoughtless friends. Maybe the fact that we're careless in this area allows our friends to be careless with our feelings. So today, as we focus on the best relationships ever, we want to be very practical. We want to use God's wisdom to give you four things that you can do right now to improve your friendships. Things that you can put into practice even as you hear this message. The first is this, evaluate your friendships evaluate your friendships. The first thing you can do right now to build better friendships is to evaluate the friends that you currently have. Now, it is possible, it is even probable that some of you have some really great and healthy friendships. Most of us do, but we probably also have some friendships that aren't very healthy. It isn't always easy to have and maintain great friendships. Proverbs 20 verse 6 says this, you might call many people your friends, but it is hard to find someone who can really be trusted. So taking time to evaluate where you are is a healthy thing. Let me suggest a few questions to ask that will help you in this evaluation. First, ask yourself, do I have enough friends? Do I have enough friends? Most of us know many people. Most of us, as the passage said, have many acquaintances, but that isn't the same thing as having real friends. Many people just don't have enough friends. The fact is, we meet more people today in a year of our life than our grandparents met in 10 years of their life. We meet more people in one year than our grandparents met in 10 years, and yet statistics show that we are far more lonely than our grandparents ever were. Statistics show that today we are more lonely than our grandparents ever were. Most of us know what it feels like to be lonely. In fact, experts tell us that loneliness today is at epidemic levels, and there are so many different kinds of loneliness. There's the loneliness of a death of a spouse or a friend. There's the loneliness of feeling rejected and unwanted. There's the loneliness of our sin and our secrets. There's the loneliness of a business trip. 
or the loneliness of being the one at home while they're on a business trip. There's the loneliness of a new school, of growing old, of the spouse that won't listen to you. There's the loneliness of being misunderstood and unheard. There are many different kinds of loneliness, and loneliness, loneliness was the first thing that God didn't like about the world that he created. It was the first thing he said, this is not good about. He said, it is not good for them to be alone. It's not good for them to be alone. And if you're lonely, I want you to understand that is not God's plan. You may have acquaintances, but do you have enough friends? Do you have enough friends? People who know you, people who you can really talk to. The fact is, many don't have enough friends. The second question is, have my friendships become disposable? Have my friendships become disposable? Do you have a list of people that you used to be close to, but you aren't anymore? People you used to be close to, but you aren't anymore. People who you used to spend time with, who you used to confide in, who you used to have fun with, but they're just not in your life anymore. Now, I want to be really careful here because God does bring people into our lives for a season and then they move or uh, what brought us together changes, a job or a group or a church. And sometimes relationships drift apart because of circumstances. What I'm talking about is the tendency that some people have to go through friends rather quickly, feeling hurt a lot, or they seem to be unwilling to meet your expectations, or they just don't do what they used to do, or you decide that someone else is more fun to be around and the friendship just ends. Those might be signs that you have just gotten used to disposable friendships. Rather than dealing with the normal relationship issues, you just move on to a different friend. You just move on uh, to a new group or maybe a new job or maybe a new church or a new spouse. Disposable friendships will never be healthy friendships. They'll never be healthy friendships. Lastly, ask yourself, do I have the right friends? Do I have the right friends? As we evaluate our current friendships, we need to acknowledge the reality of influence. Friendship is a powerful force of influence. And one short verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is very powerful. It's adapted, uh, it adapts a quote from the Greek poet Menander, who was really popular at the time that this was written. Here's what it says, do not be misled Bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. It's true, you know. It's true. If you hang out with people who are constantly doing things that Jesus doesn't want you to do, you will probably end up doing those things. Because... Bad company corrupts good character. But the opposite is also true. Write this down. It is also true that good company enhances good character. 
Good company enhances good character. When you hang out with people who are trying to live for Jesus, it will enhance your ability to live for him too. So how do you know if you have the right friends? How do you know if you have the right friends? Is your character becoming more like Jesus or less like Jesus? That's the question. If you have the right friends, your character is going to become more like Jesus. If you have the wrong friends, it's going to become less like Jesus. If your character is being corrupted, you probably have the wrong friends. So begin by evaluating your friendships. The second thing you can do right now to improve your friendships is to choose friends strategically. Choose friends strategically. We, be, we begin to really think strategically about how we can surround ourselves with people who really will be true and loyal friends. Now, some of you are reacting to that idea right now. I mean, you're reacting to the idea of choosing friends strategically. You want friendship to be more natural than that. You just want to go with the flow. You want to like the people that you like and let yourself become friends with the people that you feel drawn to. And that sounds good. But choosing friends is too important to leave to chance. Look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. We become wise by walking with wise people. So if you want to have the best relationships ever, you need to be strategic. We need to work to surround ourselves, not just with wise friends, but with the right combination of friends. Let me spend a few minutes talking about the friendships you need. First, I would suggest that you need a few people ahead of you. A few people ahead of you. We all need friends who we view are beyond us, that they are ahead of where we're at spiritually. These friends can coach us. They can mentor us uh, on our journey. Think about it. If you only surround yourself with people who are where you're at in life, you won't get very far. I went to a leadership conference a few years ago, and before we went, they asked us to submit the things that we were dealing with, the questions that we had, the struggles that our church was going through. And so we all sent three or four things that we were dealing with. And when we got to the conference, for the breakout sessions, they grouped all of us who had submitted a similar question into breakout groups. They said, you all had this similar question, so sit down together and brainstorm how you can fix it. We got into the group, and we sat there, and we had all written the question. We're going to talk about how to solve a problem that none of us knew how to solve, because we'd written down the question. There was not one person in the room that knew how to solve the problem and so we spent about an hour and a half uh, sharing our collective ignorance. It was a total waste of time because, you see, what we needed was we needed somebody ahead of us, someone who knew what to do in that situation. We need to make sure that our friendships include people who are further along in key areas of life, people you respect who can help you to move forward, people who will cheer you on and encourage your growth. Secondly, in your list of friends, you need a group of people laughing with you. 
group of people laughing with you. This is what we all look for when we look for friends, people that we have fun with, people uh, who we enjoy being around, people who have funny stories about our time together, and we need this. We need a group of peers to do life with. Here at Impact, the best place to meet those kind of people is in a growth group or in a ministry group. And I'm so glad that our groups here are more than just Bible studies. I'm glad that our groups have fun together and serve together and cry together and do life together. And your group members become your people. They become your people. You love being with them and doing life with them. And you look forward to times when you get to be together. And some of these people become long-term friends in your life. We have some friends like that, people we met in groups at church that uh, we might not see them for months, maybe not even years, but when we see them, it's like we pick up right where we left off, like there's been no gap at all. Next, you need a few people walking with you. Of course, that can describe the first two groups that we've already mentioned and the next one that we will, but each group walks with us at different levels. The friends that I'm talking about here are the ones who you confide in, the ones that know you, the ones that are safe for you to share. You know that they won't share what you've told them. You can talk to them about your hurts, and you can talk to them about your failures and your fears, and they won't think less of you. They won't abandon you. Instead, they will walk with you through those times. They will be there right next to you no matter what. Someone has said a real friend is the one who walks in when everyone else has walked out. And I think that's right. We all need friends that we can count on to be there walking with us through life. The truth is uh, these friendships are usually developed by the group, through the group of people that we laugh with. They laugh with us and then in our crisis they show concern and we learn that we can trust them and so they laugh with us and they cry with us also. Lastly, you need at least one person following you. At least one person following you. It would be selfish to expect others to help us and not include in our circle of friends people who we are helping. The truth of the matter is probably there is already someone who looks up to you, someone who is following you. If you are a parent, uh, that is true of your kids. As Pastor Bill and Shelley told us last week, we are the strongest influence in our children's lives. But I'm talking here about friends. Who in your line of sight, who at work or uh, in your neighborhood or in your group seems to just gravitate towards you. They ask you questions and they listen closely as you speak. And maybe God is putting them in your path so that you can be their friend, so that you can positively influence them and help them. So these are some of the friendships that we all need. Look at that list again. Which is missing from your group of friends? If you want to improve your friendships, why not decide to choose friends strategically by making sure each of these areas is covered in your friendship list? The next thing you can do right away to improve your friendships is stop isolating yourself. Stop isolating yourself. It, it is just so easy in our culture to stay to ourselves. I mean, we get to work and we do what we have to do but we end up just kind of walling ourselves off from real interaction with people. And our phones don't help. 
Our phones don't help. Instead of talking to people, we retweet something or we hit like or we do a quick text. And we think that these interactions build friendships, but instead they increase loneliness for whatever reason. Many are walking down a road where we're becoming more and more isolated, more and more disconnected from people. And it may be because of some past pain in your life and you're just determined that you're never going to let anybody get close again, that you're never going to let anyone get close enough to hurt you like that again. And you may be isolated because you're just too busy, you're working hard and earning a lot and you just don't have the time for relationships. It may be that you used to have great relationships but your friends moved away or drifted away and you just don't know how to build new ones. Whatever the reason, people are becoming more and more isolated. And the danger of this is we find ourselves all alone and incredibly vulnerable. The old saying is really true, there's strength in numbers. Look at what the Bible has to say about this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. By yourself, you are unprotected with a friend you can face the worst. Isolation is a possible choice, but it isn't the choice that will make you happy. Study after study has shown that people who take time to develop relationships are the happiest people. They're more successful in their job, and they're even healthier. They even live longer. If you don't take the time to develop relationships, who's going to be there for you during your time of crisis? Who's going to be there? In truth, we're all going to have tough times. We're all going to have crisis times. Every one of us is going to face a crisis in our life at some point. And it may be a health situation or an accident or unemployment, but all of us will face a crisis time. Who's going to be there when you face your life crisis? Who's going to be there? Please realize if you're isolating yourself more and more, there'll be nobody there for you. There'll be nobody there for you. And you can't build those relationships when the crisis happens. You'll be too busy, too frazzled by the crisis at that point. You have to build friendships beforehand so the strength of relationships is there when you face a time of crisis. Today, some of you are thinking, it's true. I've been isolating myself more and more. I've just been too busy or... Uh, I've just gotten too irritated with people or I've just been too afraid. And you realize you've made the choice of isolation rather than friendship. So right now, right now is the moment to decide I'm not going to isolate myself anymore. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to decide to work on associating with people more and more. And there's lots of ways you can do this. The first step is just to begin spending time with other people. The early Christians knew this. Look at what it says, a simple verse in Acts chapter 2. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. 
They met together constantly. They, they, uh, the church spent time together. They met in the temple. They met at each other's house. I'm pretty sure they met at Wendy's or Eaton Park for lunch after church. I'm pretty sure that that's what happened. They just spent time together. And today, people don't always spend time together with other Christians. People can be afraid to make friends. Sometimes the church can be a really easy place to hide especially a church this size. It's easy to just kind of melt into the crowd and to attend a service, but never really get to know anybody. It's possible to walk into this room lonely and to walk out even lonelier because it's an easy place to hide. Now, if you're visiting, we try to make this a comfortable place for you. We don't put big visitor badges on you or uh, force you to fill out a card. And we find most people are here several weeks before they give us their names. And we do that on purpose so that you can be comfortable. And being anonymous for a few weeks when you visit a church, that helps when you're visiting a church. And some of you have been anonymous for years. You've been anonymous for years. You aren't building relationships in the church you're hiding out. Maybe the best place for you to start is with the people in this room right now. Maybe you can make a connection with these people. Maybe you can get into a growth group. And if you're going to do that, you have to take the risk. And that risk might simply be the question, do you have lunch plans today? Or why don't our families get together at the landing some evening and the kids can play and we can talk? Or, you know, I'm having some people over to watch the game today. Why don't you come by. Asking the question is a risk because they might say no. They might say no. Of course, the question really is only part of the risk. I mean, you might invite somebody to lunch and they might turn out to be boring or worse yet, Pepsi drinkers. It could be really bad. They, they could have really annoying children. Or you might get really close to them and they might hurt you. That happens too. But better relationships start with the decisions and the choices that I make. So decide to stop isolating yourself. Get in a group and go to events and don't sit in church alone. Talk to people in the lobby and the cafe. Invite someone for coffee or a meal or a game night. But stop isolating yourself and start making new friends. There's one more thing that you can do to become a better friend. And that's this. Just become that friend. Become that friend. What I mean is each of us needs to decide that we will become the kind of friend to others that we want to have in our life. And this principle is one that Jesus taught very clearly. Actually, he said it very simply. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 6. Treat others just as you want to be treated. We call this the golden rule. Treat others just as you want to be treated. Applying this to friendship means I treat people around me the way that I want friends to treat me. I become that friend. The friend that I want, that everyone else wants. Let me list the type of friends I want. And uh, if I'm right, you're going to want this too. And if I want this type of friend, I need to become this type of friend. First, be the loyal friend. 
the loyal friend. Most of us have been hurt uh, because a friend we trusted to be loyal and to be there for us betrayed us or deserted us. To see who your real friends are, uh, just make a mistake and see whether they leave you. False friends flee when the times get rough and when you need help and support or when you say something really unpopular. That's what happened that day to Jesus in John chapter 6. But the type of friends that we want are the people that we need in our life are people that we can trust, people who are loyal friends. Look at what it says in Proverbs 17, 17. A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in times of need. So be that friend. The friend that everyone wants, everyone talks about. Be the friend who's loyal, the friend that doesn't betray, the friend that doesn't leave when things get tough, the friend who's loyal even when they see your faults and they know your struggle. Secondly, be the fun friend. Be the fun friend. We all have fun friends. We all have fun friends, friends who always have a plan to do something that will be different, something that will be fun. Don't you love your fun friends? You're thinking of them right now, aren't you? Don't you love your fun friends? I mean, they're the ones who call out of the blue and say, we want to get a group of friends together to go rent a house in the Outer Banks next summer. Are you in? Or they're the friends that call late at night and say, put your pants back on. Let's go out for a cup of coffee and a, a piece of pie. Or they say, let's go to an escape room. And they always have a joke or a story and they always laugh and they always want to have game nights or go someplace new. Don't you just love your fun friends? So become that friend become that friend you initiate the get-togethers you throw the party you tell the jokes you call your friends and tell them to put on their pants so you can go for coffee and pie late at night you become the person with the next vacation plan or the scheme often we are isolated because we're waiting for someone else to be the fun friend we're waiting for someone else to invite us, you be the fun friend. You be the fun friend. Lastly, be the encouraging friend. The encouraging friend. There's a difference between flattering someone and encouraging someone. Flattering someone is telling them what they want to hear, endorsing what they want to do, whether it's good or bad, whether it's helpful or harmful, whether it's good or whether it's sinful. Encouraging someone is telling them the truth. It's seeing the positive in them. It's seeing the potential in them. It's pointing them towards Jesus or calling out his best in them in a way that makes them want to achieve the, his best. It may mean saying to sometime, or someone sometime, what you're doing here isn't good. And I know you can do better. It comes from a place of helping them to become who God created them to be. So become that friend. Become the friend that's always saying, I believe in you. I think you can do it. With Jesus' help, you can overcome that. You can excel at that. Become that friend that you want. That friend that everyone wants. Be the loyal, fun, and encouraging friend. And if we start doing these things right now, we will be better friends very quickly. 
and we'll have better friendships very quickly. And this isn't just something that we do because we're lonely or because we uh, want more friends or need more friends. This is something we do because it's part of who God created us to be. It's part of who God created us to be. Living for Jesus means we discover God's best plan for our life. And his plan is that we share our lives with other people. He placed inside of us a, a need for others. God said, it isn't good for you to be alone. It is not good for you to be alone. You need other people. He intends for you to do life with others. In fact, Jesus commands us to build better relationships. Look at what he said in John chapter 15. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Jesus says to have a great life and to build great friendships, you have to love other people the same way that he loves us. And did you catch it? Jesus calls you his friend. You are his friend when you follow his commands. And he commands us to love each other. May we obey that command. May we become better friends to each other. Let's pray together.